Let's find our places, and we're going to go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 18, and then 1 Samuel 20 is really where we're at tonight, but we're going to read a couple of verses out of uh, 18 as well. I uh, was very pleased in uh, Pastor Forsberg's little message to know that me, that I as a Prince Charming and synonymous with wisdom. That's great, isn't it? Just ask my wife, or don't, either way, work, but, but uh, I'll just make the claim and we'll just leave it at that. But, uh, some of Saul's own children we've been looking at are not uh, loyal to him. And uh, we've already seen how Jonathan helped him, and then how Michael, his daughter, David's wife, helped David to escape. And in our text tonight, we're going to see even further point of disloyalty from Jonathan to his father. Now... I want to talk about that a little bit. What do you think of when you hear the word disloyalty? Uh, loyalty is something that I value very highly, personally speaking, in my life. I've always valued it, I think, in both upwards and downward. I value loyalty. I see myself as a loyal person in past ministries, uh, ha having served under two pastors for 16 years. There's many opportunities as an assistant as Pastor Forsker being sure can tell you, Pastor Nick can tell you, there's many opportunities to be disloyal to the senior pastor in the church. And those opportunities came uh, numerous times. And I was always very careful to be loyal. Uh, even if I happened to agree with what was being said, I was not disloyal to the one who I was there ultimately serve. well, ultimately serving Christ, but you know what I mean, ser serving. I'm there at the pleasure of the pastor, so that's who I'm going to be loyal to. And that's very important to me. It's, a, it's important to me here. It's one of the things we discussed at length, both when Pastor Forsberg and I met in, where did we meet? Up in uh, uh, Sisseton. Yes, we met in Sisseton. And Pastor Nick and I, when we met, we talked about that at length, this idea, because that's important to me. And I, and, uh, uh, I think loyalty is in, incredibly important. I've always felt an ounce of loyalty is worth more than a pound of talent, because you can have talented people but if they're not loyal to your mission and to what you are doing at your church or wh whatever organization, uh, then that the talent's not going to be worth much if there's no loyalty. But when is disloyalty a good thing? Because for a good leader to require loyalty is prudent, I think, but to insist on blind loyalty is cultish and dangerous. We can't just insist on blind loyalty. And Saul wanted blind loyalty. He wanted, no matter the evil that he was involved in, he wanted people to be loyal to him. And I do think that uh, integrity needs to be maintained in leadership for that loyalty to continue to be expected. You can't expect blind loyalty in the midst of evil. Now, in the case of Jonathan here, the disloyalty, and Michael, in her brief episode there, the disloyalty was actually a mark of high character. And it wasn't really as much disloyalty as who he was loyal to. Jonathan was not loyal to the wicked, represented by Saul. He was loyal to righteousness, represented by David here. So uh, that is why there's some character involved here. Jonathan, as opposed to Saul, we've already seen, was a man of great character. Jonathan's excellent character we see in 1 Samuel 14, when he proved to be a wise and courageous soldier, when he went alone with his armor bearer and won a great victory there. 
He shows great wisdom and character in standing by David. It's a, it's a case of being disloyal to evil, but loyal to righteousness. Jonathan had his loyalties in the right place. And so when we, uh, again, loyalty, I don't discount the importance of it. I put a high value on loyalty. I think it's important. By the way, uh, I don't think it's ever appropriate in a ministry setting or in an organizational setting for somebody to undermine, undercut, and try to attack those above them. Uh, you know, if you can't, if, if, if you can't for righteousness reasons or right reasons be loyal anymore, remove yourself from that position. Okay. So, uh, which is kind of what we see Jonathan doing. Now, let's look at the reason for the disloyalty here. Jonathan had ample reasons. And uh, well, let's, let's do some reading here, actually. Uh, we're in 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4, and then we're going to go to 20. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him no more go to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, gave it to David, his garments, even to, to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. That was in the beginning now keep that in mind as we go to chapter 20. This is after Saul has repeatedly tried to kill David. Now David fled, verse 1, from Naoth to Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? What is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it to me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David swore, moreover, saying, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Then said Jonathan to David, Whatsoever my soul, thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. This is some kind of friendship that Jonathan and David have. And I would like to make this point as far as loyalty as well. If you want loyalty up, you've got to have loyalty down. You've got to be loyal. If, if you expect people to be loyal to you, then you've got to be loyal to people under you. All right? It's got to go both ways, uh, which it didn't for Saul. Saul was not loyal to David. Think of all David did for him. He won over Goliath. He won that great victory over the Philistines. Then he went out and won other victories for Saul. Uh, he was a great and faithful soldier. He did nothing to hurt Saul's reputation. He only helped him. He was a great servant, and Saul was not loyal to him at all. And you cannot inspire loyalty in, in others if you don't have loyalty to those under you. You could say that Jonathan was the second one to be disloyal after Saul proved his disloyalty to David. It's the law of the harvest. Saul was reaping what he sowed. He's not loyal to David, who's doing all these things for him, and now... Um, the uh, the people aren't being loyal to him. Loyalty is a two-way street. If you're going to be dishonest and disloyal to members under your or in your staff or whatever, then uh, you'll lose the respect of all of them. Uh, but in chapter 18, we see the affection, the love between these two. Right after David defeated Goliath, this friendship was started between the two of them. And you can imagine the attraction. Uh, Jonathan had a kindred spirit. I wonder... I, I was thinking about this as I, I, I thought about Jonathan and the way he was. I wonder if Jonathan volunteered to fight Goliath. It doesn't say that in the Bible. But I wonder if Jonathan wasn't held back because he was the king's son, you know, or, or wasn't given the opportunity. Because Jonathan seems to be the type to do what David did. 
After, after all, in chapter 14, he went after the, all those Philistines and the, uh, by himself and his armor bearer said, God's going to deliver, and they did. Uh, God did deliver. So they're both brave men. Uh, they were men of character. If you have one friend in your life of this caliber, you're fortunate. This does not happen often. And I think many of us go through our entire lives never have the type of friend that Jonathan and David were to each other. It was a strong friendship. We find this strength in this love they had for one another. The, the Hebrew word uh, that says their hearts were, uh, he would, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. That word knit means knotted together, tied together firmly by unbreakable bonds. And it's used again, it literally means to be bound to. Um, and uh, it was used in Genesis 44.30 when it talks about Jacob's love for Benjamin. The Bible says that his life was bound up in the lad's life. They, he loved him that much. What it would be to love and be loved like this between two people. Would that all husbands and wives practice this type of love, this type of being knit together. Uh, would that we loved our Savior with this type of love. It was a strong love. It was also a selfless love. Again in chapter 18, verse 1, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved David unselfishly, loved him as his own soul. When you love someone as much as you love yourself, you're going to be unselfish in that love. That's the genius of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And think, just stop and think about it. Imagine you had to give the command about loving your neighbor, and how would you going to measure it? How would you measure that love? Now, the Bible says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. That was the first commandment. The second commandment, imagine if we had to come up with the commandment, one that would travel across all ages, all cultures, all people, for all time, and we had to measure it. How would we do it? Think about the genius of that statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. That works everywhere because everyone loves themselves. We all love self. Um, we feed self. We groom self. We pamper self. When we look at a group picture that we're in, who's the first person we look for? Self. All right, we look for self because we love ourselves. It's not, I mean, it's a natural thing. I'm not beating up on us that we do that. When we're at a buffet, it just so happens all the food that lands on our plate is things that self loves, okay? Because we love ourselves. We're not going to put on their beets and stuff like that. That's for other people. We're going to put good stuff, fried chicken and, 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 and uh, potato salad, the good stuff, all right? Uh, because we love ourselves. And uh, if you love others like that to that level, then you'll be unselfish. You're no long, as long as you love yourself any bit more than you love others, you're going to be selfish because you're going to do what the love demands, and that's loving yourself. But Jesus said, love others as yourself. Now you're going to treat others like you treat yourself. You will pamper others. You will serve others. You will maybe not groom others. I said that about self. Just groom yourself. Don't groom others. But, you know, the other, the other things apply, Okay. Uh, we need to love others as well. Now, one demonstration that Jonathan had this type of unselfish love, we find in chapter 23, verse 17, when he told David, Thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. 
Wow, that is a statement. Jonathan was the next king in the line. He was Saul's son. He would be the next one in line and uh, for the throne. But Saul's sin stopped not only his kingship, but his dynasty. And God stopped his whole line and chose David to be the next king. And a selfish person would have protested this situation. Had Jonathan loved himself more than he loved David, he would have protested that, and he would have done everything to, along with Saul, fight for his what he would consider his rightful throne. But he did not. He did not do so. He put God's plan before his own plan. And I mean, we could stop there and park there for a while because how many of us do that? We're fine serving God as long as it aligns with what we want to do, what we enjoy doing. But when God's plan opposes ours or it, it damages, or it even works to our hurt, seemingly, it never does in the long run, but seemingly it does sometimes, how do we respond? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if any man shall come after me, let him deny himself. One thing to say it, it's we can all say it here in the comfort of a church pew, but to do it is another thing entirely, and Jonathan did it. He said to David, I mean, that's an incredible statement. It's my right, but you'll be king over Israel, and I'll stand next to you. I'll be your second. That's an incredible statement. Now, as I mentioned, this type of friendship is a rare thing. A friend is the first person who comes in when the whole world goes out. And that type of friend is rare. God has designed us with a need for friendships. Uh, stewarding friendships includes both having friends and being a friend. And uh, it really, a godly friendship is based on a mutual walk with the Lord. And one, a godly friendship ought to draw you closer to the Lord, never away from the Lord. And a true godly friendship is a precious gift from God. And the reason it's so precious is because it's so rare. It's very rare, a true friendship. We're designed to need spiritual friendship, not only for crises, although that's a good time to have a good friend. By the way, a crisis will define your friends really quickly. I have found that out to be true. Uh, we've went through a couple crises in our life, and that shows who your true friends are. Your true friend doesn't mean they agree with everything you do, and sometimes they'll even tell you that, and that's fine. That's mark of a true friend, too. Somebody that'll still love you, and still stand with you, and still be there for you. That's such a rare thing. One reason why is because David was very compatible with Jonathan. They were kindred spirits. They were alike in the important areas of character. And some people complain about a lack of good friends in their life. Why don't I have friends like that? I've heard that question before. The truth is, maybe... To answer that question, we need to look inward. Birds of a feather flock together. Character is attracted to character. Godliness is attracted to godliness. I remember my dad and I talked about, I, I had a wonderful father who had talked to me about lots of things in life, including girls and dating and all those things. And I remember we were talking about that one time and I was uh, talking about the things I'm going to expect in her. And... Uh, he reproved me for a little bit, and then he said, why don't you work on you, and you let God work on her? You be the type of person that deserves someone like that. You work on your character, and don't worry about, don't worry about her, you worry about you. And that was good advice, because we like to make lists of requirements for others, don't we? But making them for ourselves isn't as fun. I had a friend, okay, 
an acquaintance. I had an acquaintance, uh, one of my neighbors. Didn't go to my college, went later, but he was dating. And uh, it was getting pretty serious between him and this girl. And uh, he figured before uh, things got progressed any further, he formulated a list of areas in which she needed to improve herself. And the next date that they had, he presented her with this list. How do you think that went? <laughs> uh, you know, try that out, by the way. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> Maybe to your wife. Just give her a list. These are areas in which you need to prove yourself. This is a true story. And so she was wise. Okay. All right. I mean, obviously, she was probably shocked. And if she was like most women, uh, furious. But she kept it under control. She said, okay. She said she would consider it. And she took this list. And the next date that they got together, she had a list for him. And this was not cool. He did not want a list for him. This was not part of his plan. His plan was that she prepare herself. He didn't have anything to work on. And obviously, that relationship ended quickly, and he wasn't married till he was in his 30s. And uh, there's probably a reason for that. But uh, I'm simply saying, if we put some focus inward instead of all of our focus outward, we might have better friends. Because character attracts character. Let's look at a couple of character qualities very quickly. Uh, they were both gallant. And David showed his gallant spirit when he faced Goliath. Jonathan had the same gallant spirit in chapter 14, uh, the story I've been mentioning several times, when he went after the Philistines at Michmash. What a blessing it is to have friends that will stand by you. And uh, pros prosperity begats, begets friends, someone said, and adversity proves them. And uh, they had both been through adversity. And they were proved to be gallant men. They were brave. They were not cowards. And brave men are attracted to brave men. They're not attracted to cowards. Those who have a strong patriotism don't hobnob with deserters. Okay, we have uh, those are the type of people that they find each other. And uh, don't look for a relationship with a courageous person like Jonathan and David if you're not courageous. And so again, if we put some inner focus instead of demanding others to have the right character traits, maybe we'll attract that. Not only gallant, but they were both godly. Both of these men were devoted to God. They looked to him for help in battle. When David went out against Goliath in chapter 17, verse 37, he said, The Lord that hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of this hand of this Philistine. That's what he told Saul. Jonathan, too, trusted God when he was in battle. Uh, just before single-handedly attacking the Philistines, he told his armor-bearer, It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. <laughs> Later, the Bible says that Jonathan, in chapter 23, verse 16, went to David and strengthened his hand in God. Wow, that's a friend. Someone to strengthen your hand in God. This godly spirit in David and this godly spirit in Jonathan, it, had, it gave them a great foundation for a strong and great friendship. And if you want godly friends, be a godly person. Because like attracts light. Character attracts character. Not only gallant and godly, but they were both generous. Jonathan was a generous person drawn to David because David was a generous person. Jonathan's generosity was shown in what we read here a few minutes ago, giving him his robe, his military garment, his sword, his bow. And David had a generous spirit. I'm not going to go into the story now, but he led his followers to victory over the Amalekites just prior to ascending the throne. Uh, this is in chapter 30. 200 uh, of his men were so famished from pursuing the enemy they couldn't go any further. And David ordered gifts 
and ordered the spoils to be given to those people when he didn't have to because he wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. He was a generous leader. Generous souls make good friends. And generous people are not drawn to miserly people. And so if we want generous friends, let's be generous people, is what I'm saying. And uh, this is why I believe they had that godly friendship. I'm going over these because we tend to look at this situation of David and Jonathan with a little bit of envy sometimes. And I wish I had somebody like that that would stand with me during my troubles and my trials. And there was a reason they were friends like that. They had strong character. In chapter 18, verse 4, the Bible, we read it a minute ago, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, to his bow, and to his girdle. Love gives. That's what love does. For God so loved, he gave. That's what love is. Love is really giving in action. And uh, Jonathan's love is evidenced by giving David his own personal robe, military equipment. His gift honored David greatly. In fact, after David was, when he, was, when he went after Goliath, he was clothed like a, a peasant. Really, he was a shepherd. Out, he was a nobody. He needed to be clothed more suitably after his win over Goliath, and Jonathan took care of that situation by giving his own royal things to David. Uh, Jonathan providing these garments for David illustrates Christ and his work on, on our behalf on Calvary. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 61.10, uh, describes salvation like a garment. And he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me in the garments of salvation and hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. So will we give sacrificially to honor Christ for his gift for us on the cross? I hope so. Or do we put our desires above our responsibilities to God? Jonathan didn't. It was a great sign of his character. And then finally, they were both gracious. Jonathan was a gracious man. In 1 Samuel 19.24, we read this last week, Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he had not sinned against thee, and because his works had been to thee were very good. He did not have to do this. Jonathan didn't have to stand for David against his father, but he did so anyway because he was gracious. He was trying to get his father to be gracious. It didn't work, but David's uh, graciousness also, uh, his gracious behavior before Saul at the Goliath episode, this would attract him to Jonathan. And very well, Jonathan was watching all this. I mean, I'm assuming Jonathan is with his father there, might have been with him in the tent when he sees all this go down with David. There would be an instant attraction between these guys. They were like-minded and uh, had these... uh, uh, Generous people are attracted to generous people. Gallant people are attracted to gallant people. Giving people are attracted to giving people. And that's how it worked for them here. So if you want gracious friends, be gracious. And those, that'll help us. One of the truest forms of friendship in the Bible is seen in these two men. And obviously... It's been twisted by wicked people in this world to try to create a homosexual relationship out of them. That's obviously garbage. We don't, I didn't even want to mention it, but uh, I, I read several things along that line this week. And uh, it's, that's not what this is out, a bit out about at all. They were godly friends. And it's an excellent illustration, their life is, what godly friends can do for us. Because we are all going to need them. Read the book of Psalms. You'll see David had some very low times in his life. And you would, we all would if we were chased, trying to be killed. The best thing about their friendship, though, is they encouraged each other in the Lord. 
They brought each other closer to the Lord. Who do you have in your life that supports your walk with the Lord? Who do you have in your life that draws you closer to the Lord, not further away from the Lord? That's the entirety of our teaching our kids about the right kind of friends when they were growing up. You know, I always tried to decide what, you know, the caliber of friends they had. Are they friends that will pull them away? Friends that will draw them closer. Plenty of friends that would pull them away. We had to stand in the gap there and uh, put to end some of those friendships, you know, because it was not good for them. So that the, the, the friend that is going to draw you close to the Lord, that's the one to cling to. And that's what Jonathan and David did. So hopefully that's a challenge to you tonight that will be a help. I'm grateful that God has blessed uh, our church with a church full of people like this because we have a great pool to pick from to have these type of friends, don't we? That's a blessing. And uh, man, I had a, had a great visit last night, uh, somebody that's visited our church twice and uh, just couldn't say enough good about it. And uh, they're, they're, they're not in town here, they uh, drive a little bit, but... Uh, he's been here twice. I don't think they're saved. I don't think I, they're just, they're not churched. But uh, somebody invited him, and he says, I, Your church wasn't the first one I visited, but it was the first one I liked. And uh, so they, they came back, and uh, they, they're going to be back again. And it's, it's a blessing to see, uh, you know, a pastor sometimes can do all he can do, and if the people aren't friendly, then then a lot of work's in vain. But But I'm grateful that the folks... I can invite people with confidence, knowing that when they come here, uh, they are uh, people are gracious to them, and it's great to get that feedback. So I wanted you to know that that's a blessing. We uh, we want to have that type of friendship to people because folks don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, and so we want to show that to folks and uh, hope we'll make an impact. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Help us now to love others.